0: Oh, Lydia, oh, Lydia, say, have you met Lydia, Lydia the tattooed lady? She has eyes that men adore so, and a torso, even more so. Lydia, oh, Lydia, that encyclopedia, oh, Lydia, the queen of tattoo. On her back is the battle of Waterloo, beside it the wreck of the Hesperus too. And proudly above waves, the red, white, and blue, you can learn a lot from Lydia. Could you give me a one minute run through of the Marx Brothers' career from starting out to Groucho's death in 1977? No. Okay. Okay, timing. Basically, they were literally had a whole lives in the show business. Their mother, Minnie Marks, was a kind of a showbiz mum and she set them on their way. Groucher really started as a boy soprano in in uh, early vaudeville singing acts. She really included, I think, Chico and then Harper. She sort of got them into an act to sort of almost to keep an eye on them so they wouldn't run riot in, in the streets almost. And so, uh, well, the early 1900s and the 10s, you know, they were... Of Audible Act, about 1912 sort of or 14, and about 1914 they sort of settled into their names of Groucho, Chico, Harpo that they, they were given them by. Where do they uh, come from those names? Uh, they were given them by a, a cartoonist called Art Fisher, who and uh, he wrote a cartoon strip called Knocko the Monk, and one day they just decided to give themselves names with O on the end for, for you know like so Groucho, but either either because he was a very grouchy character, isn't it? but also all the villains of those days kept their money in their little bags around their their wages and around their necks they were good enough so was a grouch bag oh right okay, so there's that and then harpo he's placed the harp chico chase the chicks you know zeppo not you know there's he's for some like reason maps. even though zeppelin seems to be the most obvious some or zippo the, there was a zippo the clown somehow no one no one no one seems to be able to quite bolt that one wasn't another one called gummo or G- gummo was gonna be he, he had those uh the gumboots they were like oh like, boots that you put over your shoes in yeah, the rain yeah. called gumboots. So he was gumbo. But he left the act um, before he joined the army for the First World in the First World War, although he, though I don't believe he served overseas. And then he just left the left the business. He became an agent with Zeppo eventually. But yeah. And then um, they continued to become a very successful act on in vaudeville, uh, eventually moving up into uh, Broadway. And they had several big hit shows that ran for years on Broadway. Then just after sound movies came in in 20, 27, and then in 29, they made their first stage hit that they made into a film, *The Coconuts*, and then they made *Animal Crackers*, their second or their third big Broadway success into a film, and that launched their film career. They were with Paramount for five movies, and then they went to MGM, and then really the sort of they retired first just before the Second World War, and then and then Groucho and the others did a lot of work throughout the war for the USO. And, concerts for troops and stuff like that in army camps and then they made a couple more a few more movies after uh, the war they came out with A Night in Casablanca I think didn't Groucho kind of lose that character that he had a bit he, he, as he got older he kind of lost the, the, the grease paint moustache yeah. thing and so. but they said that the later movies often were often said because Chico needed the money and they, so they <laughs> seems to have been roughly why they made them because they, they really after at the circus I think Groucho I know, they were to, was tired of the whole rigmarole of making films and then have got a big hit in radio with you bet your life his quiz show people come on and answer questions for money and, you know, and yeah, a really he sort of basic word. show, yeah, wasn't it? It was yeah. basically just a vehicle for Groucho to be hum- humorous. Well, which was a perfect vehicle for Groucho because he was, you know, he was a witty, sort of one-liner you know, kind of individual who, you know, and people loved to have the mickey taken out of them by, by Groucho. And he's, you know, and you hear about, you think about him now as being more sort of very acerbic and quite tough. But really, if you watch those shows, they're really quite mild and, they're, yeah. and it's quite gentle. And then they are there to be mocked by so, but um, and then that became a huge TV hit as well. We sort of led Grapchiev into into sort of retirement really. Chico continued to tour with an orchestra, and often because he just really did need the money. But he toured with his own orchestras for years. And Chico and Harpo came over in the 50s, I think, late 40s and 50s, and played the Palladium as a double act. Still as those characters, as yeah. the Harpo oh, yeah. characters. Oh, yeah. So Harpo still didn't talk. Still, and, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. oh, yeah, Still coming. he would still did the whole r- the routine with the, with the um, knives and forks falling out of his sleeve, as, as made famous in the Animal Crackers. Then Groucho came over, he tried to do an English version of You Bet Your Life, which didn't take in about 65. And the last time he was over here, he came over to do some sketches on the Marty Fellman comedy machine in 71. So, I mean, that's a bit more than a minute, isn't it? But that's, that's fine. That's, that's, a, yeah, no, that's, that's a minute in my <laughs> it, it terms. There's the, about 50, 52 people on the Spirit of Soho mural, and they're all listed at the bottom. There are two people who aren't listed on the key. One of them is Saint Anne, as in Saint Anne's church. <laughs> One of them is Groucho, but he's clearly on the mural, Groucho Marks. Why is he on the mural? It's sort of a spurious thing. I, I mean, it must simply be because of the Groucho Club. Maybe the people at the mural didn't realise that the only reason that they called it the Groucho Club, is not that after Groucho, but a quote that Groucho has made and went about. Being refused or offered membership in a club, and he wrote back saying, "I would never, ever be a, want to be a member of a club, but I'd have somebody like me as a member, right?" Which is sort of how the kind of the ethos I believe behind the Groucho Club is that they wanted to uh, create a place, you know, a media-type place where you could just sort of go and you know be amongst you know, uh, like-minded people. coax snorting idiot types. <laughs> that you otherwise wouldn't want to be anywhere near. <laughs> no, no, <it> sounds awful. <laughs> so there's, a, rather that, you know, just, you know he and St Anne had a thing, you know, and they just loved them together at the, uh, at the bottom there. I don't know, yeah. No, I should also no, add Ab about the uh, the Groucho Club. I mean, they didn't approach the Marx Brothers to stake. I mean, Groucho had been dead about seven years, I think, before they said that. Although I believe his son, Arthur Marx, and a guy called Frank Ferranti, who played Groucho in a, a Life in Review, a, a, a show about Groucho's life that played in the West End here in the mid '80s. I believe they went to, you know, the Groucho Club okay. as as, as honoured guests. Right. But Don't but, disappoint me. Did he ever come to Soho? They did. They toured here uh, twice officially as as the Marx Brothers act. Once in about 1922, they came over with parts of with, with their vaudeville shows, and they played at the Coliseum uh, for a few weeks. And then, strange enough, that was in June actually, in 1922. So it's about 98 years ago this month. And then they, and they played as the Marx Brothers. Yeah. Or they yeah. In? I think okay. it was their were billed as the four Marx Brothers then, because they still had the Zeppo Marx, who, who had appeared in their Paramount movies as well with them. And they came over, ostensibly, I think, to do a show called On the Mezzanine, although they called it On the Balcony for British audiences. But they then shifted around and put bits of an earlier show called Home Again in. Because by this time they were just getting ready to become uh, the first big Broadway show. So their vaudeville their, their touring show then often just was just sort of sketches of previous shows, you know, stitched together sometimes. and then So previous shows that they did? In, in, in Vaudeville in the States. Because okay. they, they'd literally been going around the States and, you know, since about 1914 as an act, as, 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 a, as an act of brothers. But then they came back in '31 again for C.B. Cochrane to do his review of 1931. It might have been at the Coliseum again, I'm not sure. That was a time when Groucho wrote a, a chapter about that, in his book called *Memoirs of a Mangy Lover*, because uh, Chico and Harpo got hooked up with some very another American comedian who was over here. We, we don't know his name. He may have been a guy called Fred Dupre who was around here and and working as an American comic, but he seems to have made more of a living as a gambler. And uh, but it's a very sort of shady. And Groucho doesn't name the 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 person in this in the story, so. They took to gambling with this character after the shows and he had a cold water flat in Soho. Quote, this is the um, film Gratchov's telling of it. And night after night they came over and they kept getting built by this guy and they could work a while until they realised, of course, he was a phenomenal cheat. And so, you know, Chico was a phenomenally bad gambler, but but he knew everything about gambling. He was a bad gambler? Or... Well, he lost a lot of money. Let's okay. not say, let's not say he, was a, he was a reckless gambler. He won okay. a lot of money gambling. He knew a lot about gambling. He was very, very good at cards and he, apparently he was a mathematical Genius about you know figuring of things, but you know sometimes you know he would play in a bad card game. He knew he was being cheated, but he would go, "Yes, but it's the only game in town." You know, so. (laughs) So. But one night they they changed the game on them and they played an American style thing called pinochle, which they which they knew better, and they took the guys' money off and they took thousands off of him and the guy kept trying to keep them to play there but the place was so cold he kept having to break up bits of furniture and put it onto the fireplace to keep them there and they they could only keep them there for as long as the furniture lasted you know so when he broke up the last chair and burned it in the fire and that was it they were gone took all his furniture and all his money (laughs) (laughs) yeah and that happened was you know he said in Soho somewhere so you know it's impossible because again this is a pre-war so oh so you know it's likely good. but as I said you've got Wardour Street here which was always the sort of the, 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 the film hub the film industry and my feeling is like because Berwick Street it always tended to be more of a kind of a residential sort of it may be you know, but it's just no one's ever going to know it. Well, yeah, that's, that's lost to history <laughs> but there it? you go there is your bona fide Marx Brothers, Soho Connection. Oh, that's fine. That's good, enough. that's good enough for me. And you have a connection to the Marx Brothers in that you have, in a way, brought them back to life. Well, it's one of those things that I like to say. I wrote for the Marx Brothers. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Posthumously. Groucho and Chico did a radio show in 1932 and 33 called Flywheel, Scheister and Flywheel, which was about the, you know, the, the adventures of you know, a shady, shady lawyer, Flywheel, and his even shadier assistant, Emmanuel Ravelli. They were effectively Groucho and Chico, but those are the names that they were given because it was immediately radio if it was recorded at all it was just you know recorded onto sort of shellac discs and stuff like that And so over the over the you know, mist, over the years and the mists of time and everyone just seemed to have forgot about it until this researcher turned up the scripts in the Library of Congress and then he thought wow this is great It got them published in book form and they were published here and then Dick Vosborough wrote a review of it in a book and I thought what? And Mark Bill has lost radio show. <laughs> so, yeah, I got a copy of it and I thought, well, if you can get two guys to do Gratia and Chico well enough, maybe. They're... And, you know, and the BBC agreed, you know, we did a pilot of it, which went really well. And then, uh, yeah, and then they just because the original shows would only have been about 16 minutes of script because you would have had an orchestra. You would have had a singer in the show. You would have had sponsors announcements yeah, and sketches. And so the actual show only lasted about, when we read a script out from the book, it only lasted about 16 minutes so that's why I had to kind of join two together and blend them with original material. And what year did did you do this? It was 1989 I think we did the pilot and then we did three series until, the, you know, until we just absolutely completely filleted and gutted the book and then I wrote a lot of the third series anyway. They've just finished going out on Radio 4 Extra again. They seem to go out two, three times a year which is very nice and you always get a good always gets a good response do you yeah. get repeats for that um well i get what is known as digital repeat fees which it happens <laughs> you know which doesn't pay my bar bill at jerry's you know so and,